Do you experience every emotion but don't know how to express it? Us either. Learn with us as we go. We love pink, learning too much about random things, and trying to make the world a better place. If we were pageant contestants, our answer really would be world peace. But first, we have to learn how to master our own inner peace. Join our journey as two best friends have simple girl talk. This is Spotlight with Alexis Kimsey and Katherine Merck. Catherine and I are together. I can reach across the table and touch her face. <laughs> How nice is that? Well, we are excited for this episode. This has been one of our most requested topics. And Ridiculous. to give you a little teaser, we ha- might be a little giggly because we were working on our British accents in order <laughs> to put ourselves in the right mental space for this episode. We don't have top hats, but we do have pina coladas. <laughs> Which I'm not really sure how that relates to the topic, but that's not the point right now. (laughs) It doesn't at all. We just want to say a sincere congratulations to Prince Harry. Congratulations, you little nepotism baby. You are the fastest selling nonfiction book in history at 1.3. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. 1.43 million copies sold. I don't want Megan's representative to reach out to me for getting that number wrong. Which, you know, would be a little more exciting if he'd actually written the book himself. I do want to preface this whole conversation. He hired someone to write that bad. With, yes. Um, What's interesting about that to me. Okay, so we are going to go deep into Prince Harry. We are going to do history. We're going to talk about Netflix. We're going to talk about the book. But to... And Diana. Obviously. We can't have this conversation without talking about Princess Diana. But the ghostwriter on his book, J.R. Moringer, actually, this is what fascinates me. There are some parts of this book that are just so sensationalized, ridiculous. Just the the edit, I kept thinking, how could an editor let this out? Well, I looked up the ghostwriter, and he's written two other best-selling ghostwritten autobiographies. One of them was for um, Andrew Agassi, the... American tennis player. He wrote Open and then he wrote Shoe Dog for Phil Knight. So Phil Knight's autobiography was also written by the same ghostwriter. So these are some really high profile autobiographies and to my knowledge are not written where somebody is throwing themselves on the stairs and crying every five pages. Well, my favorite part of that is all I've learned about this man is he is terrible at naming a book because all those are very boring titles. They do not grasp me at all. But, dude, we should talk about things that have been going on. Like, we've been together for a full week. Okay, yeah. yeah so we need before, to before we de- deep dive into Prince Harry, that's a really good point. So before we be- get hairy with it. <laughs> before, yes. Alexis has been wanting to say that on air all day. <laughs> so we have, we've been together, some fun things happening in our lives. We talked about last week how I was coming down for Mr. Steele's first birthday. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that's happened in our lives lately. It was... The world's cutest first birthday. I am absolutely over the top biased, but I think it was fabulous. Catherine blew up about four million balloons and she took it very serious. And every time I turned around, she was blowing up more. I'm like, what are you doing? So now my house is covered in balloons and I'm scared of popping them. So and Sage was Sage was a real MVP and very carefully <laughs> got on a ladder and hung my 
huge, gigantic balloon arch that it's I created. It's not even an arch. It's a line of big balloons. Well, so we it's were gonna, very cool. We were going to do the arch, but then we had some artistic inspiration to hang it over the mantle because Alexis had these really cute pictures of steel printed out and a little high chair decoration that said one. It was fabulous. So it was an entire aesthetic. And we created little golf balls with little white lanterns, put Titleist on them. We went all out. Boy, it, mom, and hard. It was fabulous. It was so much fun. And we had a blast. And that's really what a first birthday is all about. Oh, for sure. So what else has happened this week? You guys, I can't talk about it. I don't need to talk about it. I have a $400 candle lit right now in my house that smells so good. It does smell amazing. It's taking over the whole house. It is taking over Did me. I buy a $400 candle? No. It was a gift. It was an amazing gift. Like, I love it. It smells so fantastic. So thank and, you. You know who you are. And when we first lit it, we thought, oh my gosh, this candle, is it really going to live up to the hype? And I will say yes. It I does. firmly believe it's living up to the We're hype. We're believers. We are believers, so good birthday gift for me. We appreciate you. A great birthday gift. And the other things that have been going on, we were in Fort Worth for a couple days at the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. Alexis's husband, Sage Kimsey, is a bull rider, seven-time world champion. So we went up to Fort Worth. He competed, and he had a good ride on his second bull. Wasn't quite enough bull to advance to the semifinals, but he had a great cheering section. Oh, the best. The best. And we got box seats. It was really cool. Thank you to the gay family. Yes, absolutely. Thank you to our friends after G Rodeo. We appreciate you a lot. We had so much fun getting to see so many people. And it is it's funny for for me to watch, especially, but when you look at all of us at different points in our lives in rodeo have gotten to be the person that somebody wanted to take pictures with, whether it was, you know, Sage being reigning world champion, all of these things over the years, or Alexis has done so many things, published books, journalism, all of this. Catherine was Miss Rodeo America. Being Miss Rodeo America. We, we've all at some point in our lives been the one of the people that people wanted to take pictures with when we're at rodeos. And at this point, 100%. <laughs> Steel is the only person people yeah. want to take pictures with. We are just the bearers of and conveyors of Steel Kimsey. I feel like sometimes I'm just his snack. Um, bad word. I'm not going to say the word on there. But um, I do feel like I'm his little snack slave. At this point, he opens his mouth. I feed him puffs. And that's motherhood. Yes. Auntie Catherine had some fun with the <laughs> ice cream at the hospitality. Covered in chocolate ice cream and a white shirt, guys. It was. We. I was at the beginning of the night. I was protecting the cute little outfit, putting my hand over his white shirt every time he ate. But he loves chocolate ice cream, which I am very proud of him for. As, as your dad would say, he definitely inherited that from your side of the family because yes. Sage does not like sweets. I don't know. I don't know how I'm married to him. Like someone that doesn't like sweets, do we trust them? And I mean, at this point, we can make an exception for Sage. At least he's a Gryffindor, not a Slytherin. I mean, that's where I draw the line. That 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 should be where you draw the line. over. (laughs) Absolutely. But Oh, that's a weird question. If you had to go on a date with someone, and it was between Ron and Draco, who would it be? (laughs) Option bad or worse? That is okay. We we had these conversations recently, similar, not this question, <laughs> but 
So Alexis has watched all the Harry Potter movies. She hasn't read the books. And she's still disappointed that Hermione and Ron end up together. Not believable. I think it makes a lot more sense based on the books. And as I've mentioned before, I am a Harry Potter diehard. We had a Harry Potter book club as kids. You know, they came out as I grew up. Nerd. I've listened to all. I I mean, I wrote a paper. I got an entire college credit on Harry Potter (laughs) in my medieval studies degree. So Of course you did. Because who else studies medieval studies? Hey, it will come into play on our Prince Harry talk. So just you wait. It is a useful degree. (laughs) Buckle up. No, but really, who would you go on a date with, Ron or Draco? So my Malfoy. my struggle with that is I I think my optimism, I always feel like, oh, there's good in there somewhere. Like maybe Draco could be, a, and in the books, again, more than the movies, like Draco has the potential to be a good guy. So oh, I'll make it worse for I you. I have his whole, the whole like savior complex going on. And Ron, where I struggle with Ron, it's not even that he's not portrayed as attractive. It's just that he's kind of portrayed as like making dumb decisions. And that would exhaust me. But this is one date. We're not choosing who I'm marrying. So I kind of feel. What about Charles? I feel like. Or Harry. Okay. If they were the same age. I got to finish the Ron and Draco <laughs> first. So Ron, I feel like would be more fun, but like wouldn't have a game plan. Draco, I feel like, would be so extra and be like bringing you roses and all yes. these things. So I kind of feel like I'm picking Draco Malfoy. I feel Whoa, very uncomfortable saying that. Yes, as a Hufflepuff, I feel very uncomfortable saying that. But that's, I think that's where I am with this. Okay, well, now we go to Charles versus Harry. If Charles was the same age, remember Dude, his ears? Like, no, I'm not even going to go put there, this in but... context, I had this whole conversation with my mom once about Charles. Because I did not on any level believe that Charles was once this eligible bachelor playboy. And my mom was like, no, Catherine, they used to put him on the covers of magazines. Like, There's no way. The universe, I say the universe, the media sensationalized Charles as this attractive man where I hope if you're listening and you're not operating machinery or driving a vehicle. Look him up. You look up a picture of him right now because he was not attractive. I think, again, okay, looks-wise, obviously, Harry. Savior complex-wise, again, feeling like I can change people for the better, 100% Harry. And this is a hilarious conversation because my parents joked with me not that long ago with all the fallout with Megan and her selfishness and all of that, which we will get into. They were like, it would have been so much easier if you just would have married Harry and you would have fit in so well and made him be, you know, a good member of his family and all that. And just makes me giggle. But so I, I am going to have to go with Harry because where he really diverged in his life, I think we've talked about this a lot. 90% of your happiness or unhappiness comes down to who you marry. It's the most important choice in your life. It sets you on a totally different path, and he is very obviously on a very different path based on who he chose to marry. I know we were talking about one date, but I made this philosophical. Okay. Okay. Um, Down that rabbit hole, I think I choose option C, become an old maid. (laughs) Between the two of them. Because Diana, I mean, you read her book. I don't know if you've read her book. Um, But yeah, she talks about how unhappy her marriage was a lot. So Going back to that, I don't know. I just okay. Old so, maid sounds better. Live with my cows, which Harry loves. Yeah, cows. he identifies with cows. <laughs> he said, "Why 
Okay. okay, okay. Go back to the beginning. Let's let Catherine give us a little history lesson. So I was instructed under very clear directions that I needed to keep this short and spark notes. You're welcome. <laughs> so to give the background on on why I guess there was some trepidation to start with with an American actress, I think that's a really important part of this to look at the, the last time this happened and there was a constitutional crisis. So the last American actress to marry into the British royal family was Wallace Simpson. It led to an entire constitutional crisis and the eventual abdication of the current King Charles' great uncle, Edward VIII. So that's the uncle of the recently passed away Queen Elizabeth. The brother, if you've seen the movie The Queen's Speech, that was Queen Elizabeth's dad. So that's kind of how the family tree works. A lot of people know Wallace Simpson was an American divorcee. However, she actually had been divorced twice. That is what caused the major significant issue when she started, we're going to put, say, dating Prince Edward. And he was the Duke of Windsor at the time. So she actually became his mistress before her divorce from her second husband and started telling people that it was fine because she would be the Queen of England. So in the United Kingdom, the monarch is the supreme governor of the Church of England. And this is where I could deep dive, but my brief version, I will tell you, this is what I studied in school. Henry VIII had previously been granted the title Defender of the Faith, of the Catholic Faith, by the Pope. The monarch retains the title Defender of the Faith, which is a very odd thing. But what's kind of ironic and I think a little bit hilarious is that until 2002, the Church of England would not perform or allow the remarriage of divorced people if their former spouse was still alive. The reason that the very sparknote reason the Church of England was created was to facilitate a divorce for Henry VIII from Catherine of Aragon to Mary Anne Boleyn in order to hopefully get an heir. So constitutionally, the monarch is required still to be in communion with the Church of England because the Church of England, they're the supreme governor. And the only legitimate grounds for divorce at the time in the Church of England and under British law was adultery. And Wallace had been divorced because of mutual incompatibility. So if that had been challenged in court, she would have been considered bigamous through her second marriage. So her marriage before Prince Edward. So that was a huge issue. Basically what happened is there were issues with the Commonwealth, with South Africa, Australia, Canada. So if she, if he was to marry and not abdicate, the government would be required to fully resign, which created an entire constitutional crisis. So she actually is really the origin, and this is an interesting way to kind of segue into Diana too. She's really the origin of media hounding a female in the royal family. At one point before her marriage, she fled the UK to the south of France, trying to outrun the press, and they followed her to France. It was a huge deal, but he ended up abdicating. That's why the current line of succession is the way it is. The other interesting part about that, so not only is Megan an American actress who had previously been divorced, but it Wallace Simpson and Prince Edward did a tell-all book and basically profited off of their affiliation with the British monarchy and used it to pay for themselves until the day they died. 
So that's where I find this so interesting because there are so many parallels. And I think it will be really fun because Alexis is going to talk a lot more about Diana. But talking about that theme of the media being involved with the royal family as well. Catherine, my mind is blown right now. Like hearing you say all that stuff. Wow. I just I have no words. They're, it's, they're following a direct parallel to them. That's very incredible. Like, because it's not like they're doing all this as originals. No, they're following another succession and doing exactly what they did before. And it wasn't that long ago. I mean, Harry's grandmother was alive when this happened. She was a little girl when her uncle abdicated and she became the direct successor to the throne. Holy smokes. I don't know if you're sitting at home and as mind blown as I am, but like this is so interesting because we talk about the media, the press. I mean, I'm from the media, so I get it. But I mean, direct indirectly, actually some people say directly, I have mixed emotions about it. The media is what caused Diana's death. They were chasing her. I mean, at the end of the day, and Harry talks about that in the book, he went down the tunnel that she was killed in. To me, what's interesting is all the people that get away from the monarchy and go off on their own always write a book. Diana's came out after she was dead and people, there was a lot of controversy if it was her own words. However, they found tapes later that proved that these are her own words. And if you don't know, I haven't read her book. It's called Diana, Her True Story in Her Own Words. And it's by Andrew Morton. He he faced a lot of backlash about this because it talked about her unhappy marriage, her struggles with her eating disorder, and then also with Camilla and Charles, which if you didn't know much about Diana, she was very outspoken. And she even talked to Camilla and she talks about it in the book, how she went up to her and said, you know, I understand what's going on. It must be very hard for you guys. However, don't make me look stupid. I'm not stupid. And for those of you who aren't like us and aren't up to date on all things royal, basically, Mm -hmm. one thing I will say, the show The Crown, do not take that as what actually happened. It's a drama. It's not fully historical. It was a great show until (laughs) this current season because- I am not watching it. I watched one episode and I read all these articles about people who are still alive saying this has nothing to do with what actually happened. They're putting words in people's mouths that are total lies. And I just thought it was so disrespectful to do that with everything going on with Philip and Elizabeth and their deaths. But Mm -hmm. anyways, I digress. The backstory is Camilla. Well, actually, Camilla's first husband was in a relationship with Princess Anne, Mm -hmm. and Camilla was in a relationship with Charles. They were all happily in love, and then Camilla married Andrew Parker Bowles, and Charles married Diana. Diana was much younger than Camilla Mm -hmm. and Charles, and basically, Charles was always in love with Camilla, and I... It was pretty well known. It became way more well known. And I know you'll get into this, but just that dynamic, that kind of him always being in love with someone else is crazy. And I think that that was that was the root of all of the issues in their marriage. 100 percent. And I think that Diana was thrown into an impossible situation. And, And in my opinion, I mean, I've researched so much of Diana's stuff. I have had a fascination with her since I was a little girl. My mother is an admirer of Diana. I loved her style. I loved who she was. Um, But for me, I think that she was doomed from the start. They put her in an impossible situation. I don't think she was 100% sold out on it. She said that she wasn't sold out on it. He was not a good partner. And you talked about earlier who you marry matters. I truly think that they brought out the worst in each other. She developed an eating disorder and lost so much weight before her wedding, she barely fit in her dress because he had made a comment about her being pudgy. There's just so many things that... 
It's just, it's interesting though, because when she wrote him, her memoir, which she didn't write, but I mean, Andrew Morton wrote her memoir. It's interesting that people flock to this and they did not have the same reaction that they had to Harry. So why is it that his mother is still loved by many and yet he is being just drugged through the mud? Like, it's just very interesting to me because some of the things they say in her book were also one stretch. 100% in my opinion, it comes down to one thing and it's focus. It's selfishness versus selflessness. Self-focus versus outward focus. Diana, despite everything... And we'll have to save this for another podcast, but it it is interesting. She had some childhood trauma that I think she carried in with an unhappy family that she was raised in. A lot of people don't realize how closely she was raised with the British family and nobility, all of that. But I still think that she maintained her selflessness throughout her whole life. And that's, that's, I think, what makes people so sad about everything that's come out and what's going on with Harry because Diana was so selfless through everything and she was focused on others. I mean, look at what she did with children who were in hospitals. Mm -hmm. There was the, there was the AIDS crisis. She was holding children. She was the people's princess. She Mm -hmm. loved people and he and his complaints have been totally focused on himself, his own struggles not other people. It's very whiny. Yes. It's like a little boy who has toy taken away. He reminds me of certain people. Yeah. He is so spoiled and it it's beyond. But anyway, sorry. Get back to your Diana. No, you're good. I feel like Diana, that's really the point I wanted to drive home is that she did the same thing. Yet her, she was just a people's princess. People loved her. They don't have that same affection for Meghan and Harry. And so I really wanted to dive into this because I want to talk about some of the things in his book. These are the 21, um, this is released by Town & Country Magazine, the 21 weirdest things we learned from Prince Harry's memoir. I want to go through some of these with you because I think they're pretty wild and I want to get your feedback, okay? So the one that is number one is he's a self-described friends fanatic. He even crashed Courtney Cox's house before and said that he had his own Monica and Chandler moment with her. What does that even mean? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. That that first one, I'm like, okay, I get it. You like friends. We all like friends. It's yeah, I don't know why staple. that's in your... I don't know Well, that's- people in the UK, I don't know. Friends was an obsession. When I was over there, my friends were all obsessed with friends, had all seen it multiple times. It was like an American cultural icon to my British friends. Well, yes, her hair, Rachel's. <laughs> I mean, like, come on. <laughs> this, but this, I think it's important to note, this book is over 400 pages. That's a lot, you guys. And there's a lot of things like that that I'm oh, sorry wait. could have just been cut out completely. I feel like he just wanted everybody to know him deeply because he feels like no one understands him. Okay, the next one. You guys, um, I'm sorry for saying this word on air, but this is in his book. A total of eight times. It's over a 17-page spread. His frostbitten penis at Prince William and Kate Middleton's wedding. I felt very uncomfortable saying that, but he talks about his man parts a lot. On and on and on. And one of the reviews I read is talking about how it's almost voyeuristic. I mean, it just, he goes to the point that it's frankly disgusting 
it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Like, I don't understand why that was so. He said that he was just. I, I, I don't even. It said Harry's penis was osculating between extremely sensitive <gasps> and borderline traumatized. Like my face gets hot just when like you read red. these words. I don't like it. Okay, next one. Next topic. I'm sorry. It just bothers me. Um, the number three most talked about things so far is his sensitivity to heat that he shares with King Charles. They both apparently do like, like the heat. They call themselves um, bloody snowmen. Okay, I'm just going to say this right now. It doesn't get that hot. Like we're in Texas right now. It gets a lot hotter in Texas. The climate tends to be a little more temperate where they're from. It makes sense. It right? does. I just don't know why that's in the book. That's what I was going to say. What is the point of sharing that? That doesn't get let us get to know him better. I don't know if maybe his thought was he's trying to align himself with how similar he is to his father. I, I don't know what the point of that is. I also can imagine that when Kate and William read this book or hear tidbits of it they're gonna be mortified it's some of the things he mentioned because then it says he begs will ornett who doesn't even wreck he doesn't even realize was will ornett to do the batman voice keep in mind will ornett is not batman and it says that he what is the point of any he of is this batman the from the lego mo movie and harry begs him to do the batman voice as harry recalls he shut his eyes he wanted to say no but he didn't want to be impolite or else he recognized that i wouldn't stop he fixed me with his ice blue eyes and clear his throat and said, hello, Harry. Oh, I loved it. Again, I said. He did again. I loved him more. And I kept making him do it. This was after Prince Char Harry recounts taking mushroom chocolates. Okay, I have so many other things that I would rather talk about with Harry and Meghan than this shenanigans. Like, oh, get ready. why? Next is Will and Kate were religious viewers of Suits. Yes, this is what I find so funny. And this is going to be an interesting theme for me through all of this, that he claims multiple times that they didn't want him to marry Megan because they were just such big fans of hers. How does that make sense? It makes zero sense. And I'm I love sorry, her so much, but you can't love her, too. <laughs> the only person that this could have come from is Megan. Like, this sounds absolutely like things she was feeding ludicrous. to him. It's ludicrous, the whole thing. The whole thing. Oh, Queen Elizabeth and King Charles like their women to wear their hair down. Like, why is that in a book? Who knows? Charles apparently believes in Scottish mermaids. I love this. <laughs> I don't know why it's in the book, but delightful. So when you see a seal, Charles told Harry and Meghan, oh, you oh. never can tell. Sing it to it. And sometimes they often sing back. Okay, but that's just not mermaids. That's the whole like legend of Ronin-ish. Yeah, but. Okay, nobody probably knows what I'm talking about. The legend of Ronin-ish was a old movie, probably in the 90s. Anyways, it is in the Celtic Isles. It's a whole history in Celtic folklore of women who turn into seals and seals that turn into women. It, it is actually like really interesting folklore but story he believes that's it. part of the culture. I don't know if he probably actually believes it or if he was trying to share part of this Celtic f folklore with his child. Yeah, and he took it for, okay. The next one, the I Secret this, of Ronanish. That's the movie. Sorry, 1994. Okay. Look it up. Haven't watched it in years, but I remember it being good. Dude, the next one as a mother. Oh, 
Prince Harry was high on laughing gas at Archie's birth. Guys, let me just... I what? Took, just wait. What? In the book, he writes, I took several slow, penetrating hits. Meg, bouncing on a giant purple ball, a proven way of giving nature a push, laughed and rolled her eyes. I took several more hits, and now I was bouncing too. When her contractions began to quicken and deepen, a nurse came in and tried to give her laughing gas. There was none left. The nurse looked at me and at the tank, and I could see the thought slowly drawing. Gracious, the husband's had it all. Sorry, I said meekly. Meg laughed. The nurse had to laugh and quickly changed the canister. Everything about him. I'm just, mm, is that not selfish to you? It's so selfish. And it's, <clears throat> I think what's so frustrating about it for us is looking at your experience, for example, when we talked about this on the podcast in the past, but Alexis had a lot of health complications through her birth and to know the level of support and selflessness it took for Sage through all of that Literally. and the kindness that he showed and, and honestly that most men show when their wife is having a child for Harry to brag about that. What? That just blows my mind. I, the next. Hi. The ne- <laughs> Sorry, guys. I turned my mic off. We have fun here. <laughs> we do have fun. Um, the next one is when I was just like, okay, I feel like he is just blowing smoke. When they moved to Montecito, it required a couple hours, a couple hours is all, and 13 suitcases. 13 suitcases is a lot. I will say that right now. That's all they had to their name, they said. So they had to like just make things work. So all of this make things work, this is something I absolutely wanted to talk about. So in their Netflix documentary, which their six-part Netflix documentary, they were paid over $100 million for this. Let's just that's start That's not enough to that. live on. That's nothing. According to Meghan Markle, yes, that's not enough to live on. <laughs> but let's talk about this fully independent of... What Meghan Markle had from her financial success as an actress coming into this marriage. Harry had a lot of money independently. He and Prince William split approximately $17 million, translated to American dollars, from their mother, Princess Diana, when she passed away. He also inherited millions from the Queen Mum, who was his grandma's mother, so his mm-hmm. great-grandma. The reason being... So he actually got most of it. So what happened is because of the way the British tax system works, everything she had at the time of her death passed to Queen Elizabeth because from a monarch to a monarch, even though she had been the queen consort, there's no taxes. So she had put about two-thirds of her estate into a trust for her great-grandchildren, so for Harry and William and the, the cousins and all that, but we're just leaving all of those details out here. So $18 million just for Harry and William. Harry got most of that basically because William will eventually be king and he will financially benefit from becoming king. So the queen mum gave most of it to Harry. Additionally, on top of that $18 million, they are expected to split another $8 million from their great-grandmother when he turns 40, which he's 38 now. So there was a lot he received just in inheritance. He mm. also had an annual income. 
As a working member of the royal family, he also had an annual income from the military from his time as a helicopter pilot. She was worth millions of dollars going into this marriage. So I think where? it is what? so out of touch and it's so frustrating when they're and this is why I think people are frustrated because they keep saying they have all these humanitarian causes and they're trying to help people, but they're whining about Meghan Markle recently whined that she was worried about buying their most recent $14 million house purchase. But she told Harry that it had good aura. So he had to buy it for her because she felt good in it. And there were two palm trees that connected at the bottom. And she said, my love, it's us. And every day Archie says, hello, mother tree. Hello, father tree. And it, it just is so out of touch that she was complaining about a $14 million house purchase when there are so many people that are actually financially struggling. Yes, it's so pompous. Oh, it's exhausting. Why? He also talks about how he identifies with cows. Because he says he needs a space as well. That's why he had a gap year in Australia, Catherine. Okay, listen. I love cows, especially Highland cows. Me too. We all love cows. I mean, Alexis and I are very involved in the Western industry. Cows are stupid. Cows are, yes, cows are not smart animals. (laughs) Yeah, it's appropriate he identifies with them. Anyways, um, his impressions of Graceland were also very (laughs) talked about. I love um, his friend got married in Graceland. Um, he toured or yeah, got married in Tennessee. And during the break from the festivities, he toured Graceland. Um, and he said that people variously call the place, the house, a castle, a mansion, a palace. But it reminded me of a badger set. Dark, claustrophobic. I rocked around saying the king lived here. You say, really? I stood in one tiny room with loud furniture and shag carpet and thought the king's interior designer must have been on acid. You this can is, think what you want. You do not Elvis. have to share everything you think. I just don't know why he has all this in this book. There is no good reason. It's like his I, diary <laughs> through I, the years. I think he thinks he's relatable. But the other thing I read somewhere that kills me is it is. They said it was like every five pages in a 400 plus page book. Megan is laying on stairs, crying her eyes out, physically shaking from sorrow. From what? <laughs> like what's she sad about? Various things. Somebody looked at her. Her beige wrong. isn't matching. Right. Somebody, yes. It just. Um, he said the corgis were like his cousins. That's sad. That's <laughs> hilarious. Okay, but the corgis. Again, if you don't know the story of the corgis, it's hard because the queen had always wanted a corgi, and so it was like for her eighth or tenth. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but her dad got her a corgi. And or maybe it was when she was older, she got her first corgi. But the real original corgi was called Susan. All of her corgis are descended from Susan. And she was so sweet. So Susan actually stowed away and hid and went on honeymoon with the queen and Prince Philip. (gasps) Susan was so desperately in love with her mistress. And Elizabeth loved Susan so much. She loved her corgis. That's so cute. And she was so thoughtful. She had her whole breeding program planned. And she, for years before she passed away, had a strategy for so she wasn't breeding, didn't have any puppies when she passed away. She had the homes for all of her dogs lined up for when she passed away. Oh, my gosh. It was a big part of her personality. And I think part of it was for a woman who was in such a public life, 
this was something that just loved her for who she was, mm-hmm. not the queen, not what she could do for them. It was just a true, pure love. And so it bothers she me. She was an incredible one. Yes, it bothers me that Harry's trying to minimize something that was so sweet and genuine. Oh, and he goes from talking about the Corgis being his cousin to having the runs at a friend's wedding. That's one thing he talked about. Why? Um, he also talks about King Charles always smelling things. All right, Biden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say to this. Paul stopped by on the way to dinner. He was running late and made a show of lifting a silver dome. Yum. Wish I was having that. That's just creepy. And taking a long sniff. He was always sniffing things. Food, roses, or hair. He must have been a bloodhound in another life. <laughs> like, what is I would this? again like to point out that this is a ghost writer writing this. You know this guy was just like, what is going on? They also opened this book with a Faulkner quote, which I think is hilarious. That is so ironic. Like, Faulkner of all people, guys. If you're not literary sound, like, if you're not, um, how did I even put this? Faulkner's just not who I would choose. I'll put it that way. That's a great way to put it. Okay, so I want to go back again. We're going to talk more about this book, but we're going to talk a little bit about the history, the timeline of this relationship, of the Harry and Meghan relationship to put some context into what happened with the Netflix series, with the book, which I'm going to say right now, I would advise not spending money on this book because it does not sound good. We have not read this book. We have just done extensive research on There's this There's a book. lot on the internet. There's a lot on the internet. But part of why we haven't read it is because every excerpt I've read is just so extra, so over the top, run on sentences. Just the editing was not Atrocious. there. Atrocious. Not there. But so they met in 2016, started dating. I think it's definitely important to point out that the queen changed and allowed broke a ton of royal protocol for Harry and Meghan over and over she broke royal protocol technically you know Kate and Wills dated for what seven years a long time Kate was never allowed at family functions not allowed to spend Christmas at Sandringham anything till they were engaged Meghan they're the first year they're dating I mean they relaxed every royal protocol for Harry and Meghan she did everything to make them happy and Megan says that she laughed at and joked at the fact that she had to curtsy to the queen when she met her in person and she thought it was a joke because it was just so obtuse and outdated and I thought this was so funny because (laughs) she claims now I can't even think whether it's Venus or Serena Williams but one of them is like one of her best friends There's videos of her curtsying to the queen seven years before all of this. And you can't say that she didn't talk to one of her closest friends about what the expectation was to meet the British monarch. I mean, blows my mind. She acts like she had never. This is my favorite part, too, is she acts like she had no recollection or knew anything about the monarchy. And yet she has pictures in front of it. Her college roommate said she read every book about Diana. That's. Thank you. Yes. It just, I mean, there have been people that have said that her plan all along was to marry into the family and get Harry away because it would be her ticket to fame for the rest of her life and her ticket to immortality in the public eye. 
So you think, okay, thinking back, do you think this was a, a royal ruse? Do you think that she had planned this all along? Was this her goal? You really think that she had started this 15 years ago? I don't know about 15 years ago, but I think that she did not ever allow for a positive relationship. She did not ever allow or create a positive relationship with Harry's family. She always wanted to cause a rift. She was always going to be the victim. No matter what they did, it never would have been good enough because she was never okay with being second fiddle. She was never okay with not being the number one in the family. And that is so evident from this book, from their Netflix docuseries. It's insane. She wanted to be the center of attention and her not being married to the future king was a problem for her. So was Will her aim? I don't think so. I just think she thought she could swoop in and be more popular. She thinks she was. I think honestly that she too thought that she'd get in this family and that everybody would fall in love with her as they did Diana and that she would be the people's princess as well. And so she for her, thinks that she said that she and Harry have said that their main problem was that Megan was more popular than the rest of the family combined. And everyone was jealous because she was so perfect. What's really sad to me too, is like even her father's came out and said that this is not how he raised her. He is deeply saddened at her behavior towards the Royal family. And like people that are close to her are mortified. It's just interesting to me. The other thing that I think is important to point out is they were, she was a working member of the Royal family for less than two years. That's impressive, girl. You work best. She did not even last two years from her wedding to when they left the royal family. Okay, but my thing is, what were you expecting? I don't understand. What was so wrong? What was she expecting, Catherine? Because you get in and it's like, you think, okay, they're going to mold to my standards, even though they've been doing this for hundreds of years and generations. That yes. is so... So arrogant. Because at other points in her life, that narrative had worked for her. Something something I love that Sage, Alexis's husband, always says is we repeat behaviors because at some point in our life that worked for us. Mm -hmm. Sage and I have talked a lot about how sometimes procrastination is rewarded because we're performers. And we'll put things off till the last minute because it's almost like a rush. Like, yeah, we can do this. And that served us well at some point in our life. So we learn to repeat that behavior and we have to be very cognizant and learn how to not repeat that behavior. So at some point in her life, I think there's probably a lot of points where we could look at where that served her well. She was able to create the narrative where everything was about her and that served her well. And so she just felt she could continue to do that and no one would question her. I think there's so much in this book that demonstrates that they both believe that no one will question them. I think the whole Air New Zealand thing cracks me up. So Air New Zealand was absolutely mm -hmm. savage about this book. You so got to tell them a little bit about it. At one point in this book, Harry says that Meghan purchased a first class ticket from Mexico to Britain for Thomas Markle, Meghan's dad, so he could escape concerns about harassment in his adopted homeland, a.k.a. Mexico, I guess. He says the ticket was booked with Air New Zealand. The quote is, we told him leave Mexico right now. 
A whole new level of harassment is about to rain down on you, so come to Britain now. Air New Zealand, first class, booked and paid for by Meg. So Air New Zealand came out and said they have never operated flights between Mexico and the United Kingdom, and they do not now, nor have they ever offered a first-class service. They said, we've never had flights between the Mexico-UK, and we only have a business class, an Air New Zealand spokesperson said to the New Zealand Herald. Okay. I thought her and her dad were on the, like, they had had a big falling out. So yes. why would she try to protect him? This is completely different narrative than what we're hearing from her father, who wasn't even invited to the wedding. This was all in the midst of all of that. She claims that her dad was selling posed photographs to the media, and that's what caused their falling out. That's a that's a whole other thing. But my favorite part is that things like that are rampant through the book. Where he makes very specific claims that Air New, like Air New Zealand flight, first class, Mexico to the UK. Air New Zealand says, no, we've never operated that flight. That happens multiple times throughout the book. And it just, the hubris of him thinking that no one would question him. And again, I'm sorry, the failure of the editors to do any factual research into his claims is mind boggling. Because honestly, I'm not just saying, oh, this one thing I can't believe they let slide. There are countless examples of that happening in this book. As an attorney, Catherine, I have to um, ask you, is that is there anything out there that that's against the law? Like you can't, because it says it's uh, nonfiction, but he's claiming all these things that are not factual. A lot of people think, say things are nonfiction and aren't factual. And... I laugh because everybody who knows me really know well knows what's about to come. Dan Brown is a great example. He claims that like the Da Vinci Code, all of that is based in so much fact. And so much of it is totally, totally made up, right? I have done lots of research. It's not hard to do research on that. There's nothing against that. There's nothing against like with with the Da Vinci Code saying it's based in fact, but then making up a lot of things and then people make the assumption that it's all true. That's that's kind of my my issue with some of those books. But no, he's he's claiming it and he's he likes to keep saying, oh, this is my truth. This is my truth. Which when you say that the people can't they cannot um, deny that because no one knows what's going on inside your head. Um, When we wrap up this thing, though, is there anything about the book that so far that we've seen that we like? Because we've been spending a lot of this time. Um, going after the poor fella. Is there anything we like? Um, I'm trying to think about what about the book. I have some interesting thoughts about what's oh. going to happen with the coronation moving forward. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is so good. So as soon as they announced King Charles coronation, Harry said that he thinks that they picked the date to detract from Meghan's birthday. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Oh, how self-absorbed can you possibly be? I just can't. Like, I just, I can't even with some of that. It kills me. I think, I think his idea was good. Honestly, that's the best thing I can say about the book. I think his idea of doing something similar to Diana and allowing a personal look into the people 
behind the institution, I, I think that's good. I think it's important that moving... Transparency is always good. Yes, and moving forward, we identify that somebody's a real person, not just William's the Prince of Wales, Catherine's the so Princess of Wales. Right. Actually getting to know them as people, I think is really incredibly important moving forward, especially because... Like we're talking right now over a podcast. People get to know us this way. You know, it's the way of the future. But I just think he went about all of it so wrong. I think he could have been very sympathetic. And, you know, the funny thing is the one thing he was sympathetic towards his mother. He never said no word about her. The only words he said in there that he were even crossways about his mother were that um, Wills did not like the way his mother dressed them alike. And that was the only thing he said. And I feel Some like of the quotes about Diana, though, really exemplify how overdone the book is. It was like, I, I can't. I was trying to look up the quote. It was so extra, though. It was like, my mother named after a goddess, even though the goddess should have obviously been named after her. And it was like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, we, I mean, all we are... can't disagree, but. Right. But it just the overindulgence. It is cool, though, writing. that the kids speak so highly of their mother, despite all that she went through, despite all the setbacks, despite pretty much being shunned from the family, they still only speak with her in kindness. And I know they were young, but it is cool to see that they have so many memories of her and they're fond. I think so. And I, I think she did an amazing job keeping her legacy alive through her children. Mm -hmm. I also think we have to commend in a weird way, commend the media and the British public for keeping her legacy alive. Amen. And also the Spencer family. I think that's that's an important aspect of that. But Prince Harry and Meghan are a very interesting commentary to me on celebrity culture. It is funny. I think we're hearing more about the monarchy than we ever have because of them. Besides Diana, of course, but which is defeating their entire purpose, mm -hmm. right? They're so anti-monarchy now and yet you know who I'm obsessed with? Totally off topic. Kitty Spencer. Yes. Obsessed with Kitty Spencer. And can I just say, too, I think it's cute that Beatrice and Eugenie, you know, Harry and William's cousins, who are also princesses, they have been so just sweetly neutral. Like, you know, they refuse yep. to talk about any of this. They just are like, you know what? We're just trying to love our family. They've been through so much drama with their parents' terrible divorce, their father's drama. They're just probably over it at this point. <laughs> they are just living their lives with their, they both have small children. And I love that because they're trying to be good parents and good people. Instead of focus on all the drama. Yes. Okay, but you want to talk real quick about the coronation. Um, will they attend? What do you think? I, I think it's going to be funny because I know as soon as we end this, I'm going to think of 17 things I want to talk about. And I know you are the same way. I know. But well, the, we promise we're going to wrap this up, guys, because there's only so much we can say about them. Obviously, you can tell our stance on the two. We will definitely come back and revisit this because I know this is not the last we've heard from them. But the coronation, I will be very interested to see how this plays out. A lot of British media has said they have no doubt that Harry and Meghan will try to find a way to make it all about them. And to ruin the coronation, which Charles has waited forever for forever, forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's so sad. And I also think it's so sad because Harry claims that Camilla was is jealous of Megan, too, and that Camilla leaked negative made up negative stories of Megan to make Camilla look better and 
there's just some really clearly there's some very deep familial divides. And my frustration with Harry with the coronation, he likes to keep continuing this narrative of he wants to be reunited with his family and love his family and all of this. But he's the one that's perpetuating the argument. He's the one making things difficult. He said that, or his spokesperson said, he wouldn't attend the coronation unless his conditions were met. Basically along the lines of that they needed to grow up and issue an apology and blah, blah, blah. And it's just so Mm. obtuse to me. It's so far-fetched to me. I think the I'm worried that any chance for reconciliation went out the window because he just keeps going down this path. As soon as any reconciliation comes into sight, the queen's funeral, anything, he just grabs that shovel and says, let me dig this ditch a little further. At some point, you just have to shut up. Like, that's it. Just shut up. But he's going to milk this for all it's worth. They're one of the reviews of... Their Netflix documentary said, this is the same story they have told seven other ways. They're just finding new ways to try to profit off of the same story. The narrative is old. Move on. Here we are talking about yeah, it was, for an hour. But I was about to say, speaking of moving on, <laughs> we're moving on right now, guys. Um, some exciting things coming up. We are going to have our first mini-sode Woo! with a guest. We're going to bring on cool mini-sode episodes you know when we feel like it anytime we have a cool person we want to talk to so look forward to that we hope you guys will benefit from them and let us know if you have someone you think we should bring on for a mini episode yeah send them our way we have so many questions we're planning to answer so stay tuned for those two we're excited we're in the same place we're gonna keep recording some episodes and she's gonna move to texas soon if you're hearing this beth merck i'm sorry um, if you're hearing this, Beth, this is all Alexis. She drove me around today to look for houses where I could live. <laughs> you I, guys, I love her so much. I don't want her to go home. I love her she so got much, sick, too. guys, and I kind of almost was like hoping that she'd have to stay a few days so I could just be your best friend take care of her. But for context, for those of you who don't know me, I recently moved back and I'm closer to my family. She is, which is great. And I love it. So we're working We're working on fun plans to visit all the time. Yep. I'm going up there next. Yes. Get ready, Beth and Tim. I'm, I'm coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you rate and review, we will love you even more. 